Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to Hospitality and the Human Heart by Rev. Peter Yonker. We've come to the second in our sermon series on hospitality. And this week our sermon series will take us to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, which is found on page 1606 in your pew Bibles. Uh, and before, so open that up, and before I read it, I just, a little bit of a reminder of where we've been. Um, last week, we started our sermon series at this table, celebrating the Lord's Supper together, which was perfect, because whatever hospitality we have, insofar as we are a hospitable community at all, that hospitality comes from the hospitality we received from Christ at this table. It is his death and resurrection and his grace, which he feeds us with, which makes us one people, which makes us a family and unites us with him. So that is the source of our hospitality. Today, I want to talk about the heart of our hospitality. And when I say the heart of our hospitality, I mean what's going on in me when I am a truly hospitable person in the the sense of Christian hospitality? What's going on in my heart when I'm hospitable? And what's going on in the heart of a community when it's truly hospitable? And to answer that question, I know of no better passage than this one. So let's read it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at his table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And let me just say, a woman of the town who lived a sinful life, that is code, right? That's like saying lady of the evening. So this is a prostitute. She was eating it, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. 
Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that he even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you grew up in the church, many of you have heard this story before, probably many times before, and maybe you've never thought of it as a story about hospitality. You haven't read it and you haven't thought, well, hospitality is a story about hospitality. But believe me, it is a story about hospitality. And we see that right in the center of the story. Verses 44 through 47, Jesus finally confronts Simon, the Pharisee. And when he finally confronts Simon, what does he confront him about? His crummy hospitality. Simon, I came to your house. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't give me any water for my feet. You didn't give me any oil for my head. Now, I realize in our society, if you greeted someone at your door and offered them oil for their head, they would look at you like you'd lost your mind. But you got to understand that in that culture, those three things were just sort of standard hospitality. When someone came to your house, you greeted them with a kiss, you gave them water for their dusty feet, and you gave them oil to make their face shine. Okay, that, was, that was like a handshake and taking their coat when they come into your house. Basic hospitality. Simon did none of those things, gave Jesus none of those things. His hospitality was poor. Jesus contrasts Simon's crummy hospitality with the wonderful hospitality of this woman. Simon, you you didn't give me any water for my feet. She bathed my feet with her tears. You, You didn't give me a kiss when I walked in the door. She's kissed me multiple times. You didn't give me oil for my head. She has bathed me in perfume from an alabaster jar. Her hospitality, her welcome was fabulous. What is the difference between these two people that their welcomes, that their hospitality should be so diverse? The difference is what was in their heart. These two people had very different things in their heart. What did Simon has in his heart? What was going on inside of Simon? Jesus doesn't tell us exactly, but from some of the things that Simon says, we can get a pretty good idea. I think Simon's heart was full of evaluation. Simon was in measurement mode. Simon was sizing up his guests to see if they were the right sort of people and whether or not they belonged at his table. He's clearly doing that with the woman, right? She walks in the door, she's a prostitute, she looks at her, he looks at her one time and says, that's not the right sort of woman. That sort of woman does not belong at my table. In fact, that's the sort of woman that you shouldn't even touch. Simon's also in that evaluation mode with Jesus. He looks at Jesus with the woman touching him and says, well, he said he was a prophet, but if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is and he wouldn't let her touch her. So he dismisses Jesus as well. What's in Simon's heart? A sense of his own dignity and decency and an evaluation of those around him to see if they measure up. If I had to give Simon's hospitality a name or Simon's table a name, I would say that Simon has the table of crossed arms. When you come to Simon's table, he may smile at you and he may say polite things, but you have a sense that his arms are crossed, he's looking you up and down, 
to see if you're worthy. Not a hospitable posture and not a hospitable place. But now, what about that sinful woman? What's in her heart that made her so hospitable? This time Jesus tells us, in that sinful woman's heart was love. And it was a special kind of love. It was a love that comes from knowing that she had been forgiven. This is a woman who thought she had ruined her entire life that she had made choices and done things that had brought her shame in the community and moral disaster, and she thought she would never again walk this earth without people on the street looking at her with contempt. But Jesus came along and looked at her differently, and she's forgiven. She had a crushing debt on her back that she could never repay, and Jesus came along and lifted that debt, and she is so full of joy. She has been forgiven much, and so she loves much, and she can't wait to pour out that love on the people she meets. She overflows in hospitality because she knows that she's a forgiven sinner lifted up by Jesus. If Simon's table is the table of the crossed arms, this woman's table and her hospitality is the table of the forgiven heart. So what is Jesus teaching us but our hearts so that we can be hospitable people too? The key is in that phrase, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. The first thing that is in our hearts when we want to be hospitable is a knowledge of our brokenness, is a knowledge of our sin. And that those sins have been utterly forgiven by Jesus and we've been lifted up. Last week in this place when I talked about hospitality, maybe you remember that I said when we give hospitality, it's not just entertaining. Okay? We aren't just trying to show people fun. We aren't trying to show people a good time. When we do hospitality, we aim at their brokenness. We aim to lift them up. That's why the word hospital is in hospitality. This week, Jesus takes us one step further. He says, when you welcome someone, you give them hospitality, you don't just aim at what is broken in them. Your welcome comes from what is broken in you. It makes sense. If when people meet us and when they sense our welcome and all they see is our strength and all they see is our excellence, they will be impressed, but they will also be intimidated. True community, deep community comes when a broken person comes into contact with broken people and both of them know together that they can bring their stuff before the feet of Jesus and be forgiven and lifted up. Mike read the second question and answer of the catechism this morning. That second question and answer says exactly the same thing. What must you know to live and die in the joy and the comfort of your salvation? What is the thing that we all must know so that the joy of Christ flows up in us? What's the first thing that the answer says? You must know how great your sin and your misery are. And you think, well, how can that be? Knowing your sin and misery is going to make me a welcoming person? Yes, it will, because if you know your sin and misery as a forgiven thing, then you will have the kind of broken heart that will be safe and vulnerable and open to other people who are broken, to others who are in misery. 
This is a thing that Jesus really wants us to understand. And we know that because he teaches it repeatedly in Luke. There are multiple times in Luke where Jesus puts up that contrast between the community of the cross arms and the community of the forgiven heart. The parable to the Pharisee and the tax collector, Luke 19. Same dynamic. The Pharisee can't commune with God. Why? Because his heart is full of his own decency. He has no sense of his own sin. The tax collector, the brokenhearted one, he's the one justified by God. Same, same thing. Same pattern in the parable of the prodigal son. This time, the role of, of the sinful woman is played by the younger son, right? The younger son comes home. He knows he's done something devastating. He's welcomed and forgiven by his father. And what's the result? He is able to join his father's party. He goes to his father's house and he sings and he dances and they eat the fatted calf. He is able to walk in the circle of light. The older brother is playing the role of Simon. He is literally outside with his arms crossed and he can't enter the party. He can't join the hospitality because he's so full of his own decency. He has no sense that he has been forgiven much, that he's a sinner saved by grace. Whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. So important in Christian hospitality. There is a special kind of loneliness that affects people who are only known by their strength. A successful businessman gives generously of his time and his money everywhere he goes. He's been a deacon at church. He's been an elder at church. He's the kind of person who gets asked to serve on boards of various agencies. He's chaired some of those boards. He gets asked to these fundraising dinners all over town. And when he comes to those dinners, he's the one who's asked to stand up and say a few words, which he's always willing to do. And everywhere he goes, people know his name and they say, what a great guy he is. You mention his name and he says, oh, he's terrific. He'll give you any, he'll do anything for you. And yet he feels lonely. Because he has a son on the other side of the state who suffers from crippling anxiety. Anxiety so bad that he almost never leaves his apartment. He's almost a recluse there, hasn't worked in six months. He has, on the other side of the country, a daughter who lives with her boyfriend, hasn't been to church in years, doesn't call. Every night she goes to bed, he goes to bed, and he thinks about those two kids, worry about those kids, floods up in his heart, and he has no one to share them with. So in the morning, he puts on a smile, and he puts on his suit to cover up his pain, and he goes out into the world, and everyone tells him what a great guy he is, and it just makes him feel worse because nobody knows what's really going on. Do you know how many of our successful neighbors live some version of that story? We are going to try to be good neighbors, hospitable neighbors to the, the broken heartside people in our neighborhood, and, and well, we should. But we got other neighbors too. Do you know how many of them are lost in, in more or less exactly this way? And do you have any idea if they could find a community where they could actually share their pain, 
where vulnerable people received them as vulnerable people, took their pain, took their sin, and lifted it up before the throne of God to be relieved. Do you know how much love would flow in that community and how attractive that community would be? Jean Vanier is a Catholic theologian, recently passed away. I mentioned him last week. He is a great prophet of a community that's based on vulnerability and brokenness. And what he's famous for is starting L'Arche, which is a community of profoundly developmentally disabled adults. And there are communities, L'Arche communities all over, all over the world. And these developmentally disabled adults are profoundly disabled. They're the kind who need almost complete care, right? They're the kind that, unfortunately, most people, when they find out that they're carrying a baby with these disabilities, most people these days decide to terminate the pregnancies. So these are profoundly, profoundly disabled men and women. What's interesting about L'Arche is that these disabled adults live together with abled adults in the same community. They practice community together. They worship together. They eat together. They pray together. It's almost like a monastic community where both are side by side. Now, maybe you think that the flow of care in that community must go from the able-bodied to the disabled. There must be the strong caring for the weak. But you would be wrong. Both have gifts to give. Sure, the strong end up feeding the disabled and you know, helping them with the bathroom and doing those sort of ordinary tasks, but the gift that the vulnerable give to the strong is a knowledge of the strong that, that they are weak and vulnerable too and that they are loved in their weakness and their vulnerability. Large community will often have rich and powerful people who will come to visit. And there are people who live in this world where it's always strength, 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 and go, go, go. But when they get into that community, these, these disabled adults welcome them so beautifully and so openly and so profoundly that it's utterly disarming because those adults don't care if you're a partner in your law firm. They don't care how much money that you're business made last year. They don't care if you're a minister in a big church. All they see is another human being. They know that they've been profoundly loved by the love of God, and they can't wait to overflow to you. And these powerful, strength-driven people are utterly disarmed. The weak give us the gift of our vulnerability and the gift of deeper community. Whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. How can we become that kind of community? How can we become a community that, that we don't just show each other our success and our polish, but share our vulnerability? It's not easy. I mean, you can't just go into the NPR after this and say, hi, my name is Bob. I suffer from addiction. What's your affliction? A while back, I was part of a group of men, uh, five other ministers. And we used to get together every other week. For, we did it for years. And in that community, we agreed to be vulnerable with each other. This is what we did. We, we just went around and we each asked each other three simple questions. How's it going in your family? How's it going in your job? And how's it going in your life? in your family, in your job, in your life. And we agreed that we would, we would answer those questions honestly. We wouldn't just say fine. 
And we'd go around the circle, and sometimes we were fine, but always some of us weren't fine. And that would come out, and we would tell each other our stuff, and then at the end, what would we do? We'd lift it up in prayer to God. There was so much community in that group, it made me feel so much at home. Do you have any place in your life where there is space and relationship where you could ask those questions of somebody and somebody could ask those questions of you and they would answer it honestly? Do you have any place in your life where something like that happens? Because if you don't, my guess is that you're a lonely person. And my prayer for you is that you will find such a place because it's what we all need. And my deepest prayer is that you'll find such a place somewhere here. The places are here. I'd like to create more of them. We'd all like to create more of them, but the places are here. They're in Bible studies. They're in prayer groups. Sometimes they're just two friends who agree to get together and be honest with each other once in a while. But my prayer for you and my prayer for me and my prayer for this family is that we will be a people who know our vulnerabilities and knows our sin and know our weaknesses and know that all of them are completely covered by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, what a lot of strength is in this room. This room is full of able people, talented people, willing people, dutiful people who are willing to do what needs to be done. Lord, you know this room is also full of broken people who sometimes feel desperate. I pray, Lord, that we be the kind of community that will be able to share all of these things with one another and know that your grace is sufficient for all of them. Let us leave this place today knowing that, that we are beloved by you and may it make us strong and hospitable as we live in your world. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.